What's up everyone? Today we've got Adrian Mateo, the youngest poker player to ever win a World Series of Poker bracelet. He's actually one of the most successful and youngest poker players. He's still under 30 and still crushing. And we talk in depth about what it is that he does that stands out between all the rest. If you want to learn his secrets, stay tuned. Adrian, how does it feel to have accomplished so much? Feels um, just under the age of 30. Hi, then. Feels amazing, of course. Uh, something that I work really hard and I get super lucky, especially at the beginning of my career. So now continue to, to play and try to achieve as many tournaments as possible. So are you Spain's most successful poker player? I presume you must be. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess there's Sergio and then... I don't know who else is out there, but I guess you must be the most successful in Spain. Is that the case? Yeah, yeah, I'm like number one in all-time money list in Spain. So yeah, I guess in tournaments, uh, yes. All right, that's not a bad title at all. <laughs> uh, I've heard good things about your game. I don't know a ton about you. Um, I'm curious, what uh, what did you spend all the money on when you won it all at such a young age, at like 19 and 22? Did you do any uh, anything fun with it? Did you party or did you just reinvest and, and grind? Like, yeah, the thing is when I won my first million, when I won the first bracelet uh, with 19 years old, I I promised with all my friends to go to Ibiza, so I, I rent the <laughs> house and party for one week and we have a lot of fun. but. Is the idea, and then I give my parents a, a nice car, and then the rest for just for poker, for reinvesting poker. All right, that's uh, apparently how you do it. I did something quite similar when I won my first million, actually. At uh, I, I think I was 19, uh, but I like didn't really know what was going on. I was quite clueless back then. I, with some friends, threw a couple bar party bus party so we like rented a party bus and we invited some <laughs> girls and uh drove through washington dc i actually and and got went to a club i actually like injured myself uh, a bit <laughs> but no one really knows i have like an injury right uh, on my chin from like falling at least the first time uh and i had to go to the hospital but the other times were a bit more successful the, <laughs> the, the other one times worked out all right and yeah. As a matter of fact, I also partied in Ibiza, but that was like later on in my career with like a group of pens and all that. It's quite fun of a place to just relax and do your own thing in my experience. Um, what? So you rented a villa and I guess did you host parties there or was it you just like relax there? No, like I we're, we're super kids. Like we have like 18, 19 years old. We don't have too much experience. So just rent a villa, party in the big discos every day. Like the biggest DGA, we could all go there, a few bottles and like that. We didn't do that much. Now 10 years older will be different, but the back, back in then was like just hanging out with friends. And, have a lot of uh, nice memories did you spend a lot i mean how much money are we talking that you spent on this villa and all this and you know hanging out with the I, I don't djs know. it's like uh, maybe like 40k or 30k or something like that i don't remember exactly but yeah all right that's a respectable For, punt yeah yeah <laughs> it is yeah. i think i spent something like on each party bus something like six thousand dollars something like that i'm really curious what it it costs in retrospect. I know that it didn't cost too much over 10 each. I don't think it cost yeah, 10 each, but I've like, 
you know, for like a villa collectively now, when you get older, as you said, you know how to do things a little bit better and yeah. host a party and make the girls feel comfortable and all that stuff. Um, yeah, back in the day, it was, it was different. Yeah. And also, I invite, like, I don't remember exactly, but between 10, 12 of my best friends all together, they didn't pay anything. So, yeah, it was a little bit expensive, but worth it, I guess. Oh, <laughs> uh, they must love you, huh? Yeah, yeah I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so, um, well, tell me a bit more about how you ended up being so successful. Was there any, uh, anything you did that was unique compared to most players, or what do you attribute most of your success to? I always, like, I think I have, like, from the beginning when I started, I discovered poker with 16 years old, and I started, I can play in the casino, so my, my, but I, I love poker when I discovered, so my main focus was to study as much as I, as I can, so to be prepared when I become 18 years old. Mm -hmm. So when I was 18, 19, I already have a lot of hours of study before, and yeah, and I guess really talented, and then, uh, really a little bit obsessed with poker uh, like it was the only thing I, I did like study all day playing all day watching videos of all the final tables all the people like mm -hmm. try to copy the, the guys who play better than me and try to improve and yeah, that's the way I, I did and I still doing similar things like still trying to, to study now a little bit more with solvers and computer thing but also try to copy the players that i think they are the best or they are doing having good results and talking with other friends with high level and that mm -hmm. i think is the the way to improve in poker yeah obsession uh really is the way to go to make like a ton of progress anything or really like some really focused learning whether it's I mean, obsession is a strong word, although I had it too, and it's a very common thing that comes up with many top professionals is they had some kind of period where they were like really all in in poker and yeah. just devoted their life to learning it um, and that kind of thing. But what was it that made you fall in love with poker in the first place? Like, why did you, uh, why did you love it so when much it, that inspired you uh, to work so hard? Was I always like when I was 15, 14, I always want to have some money for myself. I never have it and I like it like economics and I, I study, I start to study economics at the university. So I like the, the money thing and was like a good way to win some money. And also when I, when I was a kid, I played card games, Spanish card game with my grandparents and with my parents and that combined all together. Like I love to play any any game of cards and any strategic game I love it so also gets involved some money so for me it was the perfect game and I feel like I also was really talented for it so I understand mm -hmm. uh, the things how it works and from the beginning I started winning a lot so yeah when 18 years old I already won a lot of tournaments and I, I really I was really lucky at the beginning of my career so I have really good results and and yeah, and when you have a good result, I guess you you like it even more. So I just want to to improve and I'm still improving to to try to reach the maximum. I was the first Spanish player who to play the super high rollers and the high rollers. Nobody in Spain played this tournament. So yeah. when I play with the because the thing when when you play this tournament, I start playing with twenty or twenty one years old, and all the people say, "Oh, this guy is gonna lose all the money he made already," or blah blah oh, yeah. blah, because nobody 
uh, have confidence in, in, my, in myself, but I have a lot. I play with all the guys in the in, of the high rollers guys, and I say they are not better than than me, or at least I, I thought that, and I feel like comfortable playing against them. And after many years, I, I guess uh, I have good, uh, really good results in high rollers too. So mm -hmm. uh, that works, I guess. Confidence in myself a lot. So uh, one thing that I really want to emphasize is that poker really is an amazing way for a lot of people who are young to obtain a lot of financial mobility uh, and attain like really a high level of freedom. And that's one reason why I uh, think it's, it's one of the reasons, uh, one of the things I really like about it that um, feel like it's worth promoting also in other countries because uh, actually financial mobility is a positive thing for the world. Um, I mean, it's a positive thing for, you know, being able to pursue one's own life is a great thing for someone and getting financial freedom. And the more financial freedom that people have, the better basically overall it is for everyone as it turns out. But that's, that's something that's more of my own personal, like this is good for the world yeah. kind of thing. And this is like also just freedom and uh, being able to do what you want is something I believe in. Um, yeah, it's something that I always try to do, like to have a lot of freedom is like one of the best thing I like about poker is like the freedom to do or to work when, whenever, when, when I want. And, and that's super valuable for me. So when I discovered poker, I, I, I thought that this is a way to make money doing something. I, I love it and uh, have that freedom. I, I will love Yeah, Yeah. And, um, I remember when I was coming up. Uh, in stakes, I had a couple of similar experiences, but one thing I want to point out is that not everyone, you don't have to be like a top player, like Adrian, you don't have to make millions to like be free. Like I, I, I at least I presume you experienced this as well. At least when I was jump, coming up and I was playing what, like $2, $4, I was making like, at least back in the day, like it's not really possible to make this now, but it, I was making like $200 an hour or something crazy. It was like 19 or 18 actually. Uh, and I just think a lot of players, if they have like some level of success like that, because it's not realistic for everyone to be high stakes player, um, like they can really like open up their lives a lot. I presume, I mean, you must've been like busy in school or something. Did you have any jobs while you were coming up or? No, I just finished because I was 16 years old here. Uh, mm -hmm. With 16 years old, we st we still studying in the high school, and then with 18 years old, we moved to university. Yeah. Uh, was at the same time, so I moved to university to study economics. And at the same time, I start winning a lot of money in poker. Uh -huh. So after six months in the university, I have to I decide to to move to London to live in the UK with uh, other poker players and try to pursue my 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 dream and really 100% focus on just on poker mm. was a difficult decision back then because my parents uh, liked me to stay in university, live in Madrid. I was 18 years old and I moved to people. I didn't know too much just for a couple of tournaments and we go to London uh, to live together. So it was a fun ride. And uh, now it's easier because everything going smooth and fine, but could be worse. But uh, I think that when I make the, that decision back in the day, it's like, it's the, that's the thing that I really want to do and I want to try. I'd say my parents let me try for one year. If it doesn't work, the worst thing that can happen is that I lose the money I just, just won a few months before. So it's not a big problem if I lose everything. 
uh, because I had nothing like one year ago, so yeah, I I go all in for that and works really well. You went all in for your uh, your real life bankroll, and, but the upside yeah. was really great, and you won the tournament of life. I guess you could say. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Of course, yeah, uh, like. I was uh, that when I discovered poker is something I always told my friend. And one day I will play on EPT, one day I will play World Series in Europe, at least one to play. And then I also won an EPT, won a World Series. So it's like a dream come true for me. Oh, it's awesome. It's awesome that you're living the dream. And it sounds like you yeah. pretty much live the dream, like being able to move to London at a young age and being financially free, yeah. uh, paying in London. You, I know, I understand in the UK, you don't have to pay too much taxes, too. So that's yeah. nice. Um, yeah, <laughs> also something that's kind of cool about poker in a number of countries, but it sounds like your parents weren't really, they were kind of like nervous about you making this decision. Is that right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, of course. At the beginning, my parents didn't like too much the idea. They see me playing more and more every day because I like, I, I just... I have really good marks in the high school, but then when I discovered poker, my marks go down <laughs> just, to, just to approve and say that my parents let me play poker. And just, but I don't, I just only study poker when I discover. So I don't care about high school. I don't care about anything, just poker. So I go all in for that and works. But my parents were really, really worried, of course. And then they, we, I was happy that they see me winning in Madrid two big tournaments. So they they go to the casino to watch me on the final table, and I won. So they give them a little bit more confidence. But <laughs> anyway, like, still, still you know, a few hundred thousand. You know, the things yeah. uh, becomes a little easier to start believing. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> things a change a little. I also, when I was in school, I uh, when I was in college, I did not have the best grades. Matter of fact, I was I was forced to take another year if I was going to continue my colleges. But at the time, I was making hundreds of thousands of dollars. I had made my first million at nineteen, and uh, I, I I failed this class. Ironically, game theory, which is I, what poker is supposed to be about, yeah. twice. I failed it twice. I had to take it a third time <laughs> in order to graduate. Uh, or at least to graduate with a degree in computer science. Uh, and then, you know, it was either travel the world and be free or go to school. And these days, like, actually, school is becoming a bit more of a trap, in fact, uh, yeah. where it's becoming more and more reasonable for people to pursue their own kind of entrepreneurial route, whether that's in poker or something otherwise. Where, because, like, now, like, students graduate and they have tons and tons of debt. Um, I don't know if you realize, but like this is a growing problem in the U.S. and many of these first world countries, and that the job market's getting really, really tough. Um, when it's in Spain is different. The university in Spain is way cheaper, and oh, yeah? people didn't get debt for for studying at the university. Like here, I don't know if you go to public university, you maybe pay like three k a year or something. What? Like that. So it's, yeah, it's super what? cheap. Yeah. <laughs> in the U.S., it's like. 300k well for a really top university at 300k but yeah. it's like if you go to a good one it's gonna be like 30k a year or some crazy amount or whatever yeah, even yeah even if you don't have too much money here you can do it for like 1k a year what 1.5k you can do it yeah a good university public one normal normal one yeah. oh okay okay I mean, it's still private is the yeah, private university is expensive, but yeah, there's many public universities that you can go. And 
it, like in Spain is not it's different like the system is different than in the US uh, there are some universities with more, more prestige or, than other, but it's not a big deal like in the US Mm -hmm. like if you have a degree, you have the degree. It's, that, it's not that big different like in the US from one university to other. It's completely different. All right. Uh, I, I have to check to see exactly what the rates are for normal universities and degrees. Like, I don't think it's 1.5 to 3K, though. That's my guess. Yeah. Uh, but I, I know I that a lot so. of people are struggling the job in yeah. getting degrees and getting jobs in the US. I know that it's, it's an immense amount, of, immense amount of pressure for young adults these days. Um, I want to ask when uh, you were, well, first of all, it sounded like you immediately kind of succeeded at live tournaments, whereas yeah. I think a lot of people struggle from going to online to live, or were you always playing live, or what's the story behind that? Uh, the thing is, when I was... I started to study and play a lot of online. I play sit and goes, I play cast games, I play tournaments. But mm -hmm. the format that I liked the most it was tournaments. And then I really like to play live. I don't know why from the beginning. And I have, I have really, really nice success in live poker. I think I have some natural like empathy. So I know my opponents, what they feel more or less. Like I always good at reading people from from a young age so I, I guess that helping me and also of course I, I run better life but then also online when I, I I have a lot of success online too at the beginning I I play my first scoop I my final table the main one mm -hmm. scoop even like mm -hmm. I won like 300k in my first scoop so that helped a lot it's in right. my band roll so that's <laughs> super sick yeah I moved to London the first month I won 300k oh. and I said all okay right. let's let's fucking go it's <laughs> <laughs> not bad you like that uh, takes a minute to blow 300k in London when you're not uh yeah don't have to worry about taxes or anything um Okay, so you were good at reading people, you said. Yeah, I think so. I think I, I, I like good um, intuition. Like my, my intuition in life poker, I think is normally is, is pretty good. I think, yeah. That's a unique skill set, I'd say, especially from like the younger crowd and um, the online crowd, especially. Uh, do you have any tips off of that? Do you think that was just a natural skill or did you do anything to develop that? I think it's more like a natural thing. Uh, I always like to listen to people, uh, to know how people feel, and I'm good at uh, to know how the other person is feeling at the moment. And hmm. when people sit at the table, uh, they, some people start they're really extrovert or introvert. So qualify this type of people and classify for me is something that I enjoy when I sit in a table and that's also why I like uh, more I enjoy more playing main events than high rollers because hmm. high rollers is like the same people all the time and we know each other way too much when when I, when we are in like a main event it's like people like maybe I don't know six or six or seven players and for me it's like more like a metal metal challenge to put to, to try to to put in in his head and try how they they perceive me, how they uh, what they know about poker, how if they are like a player who is really aggressive or they are really really tight. And this type of thing is, is fun for me when new players come to the table. Mm -hmm. 
I can relate to that in some kind of way. I mean, there's something novel about, um, well, not just playing with people who aren't so experienced, but also talking poker with amateurs. I guess I'm weird like that. Uh, I mean, I could talk with poker with pros, but I know where it's going to go a lot of the time. It depends. If it, like, really challenges me, okay. But most of the time, it's the same discussions. Um, yeah. And you think about it in a different way. I, I could see all that could be more interesting just because you see a wider variety of people as well. Um, would you say you're, like, really attentive on the table? Like, you're often listening closely to everyone? Or are you, like, a little bit aloof and then you hear something, you play some hands... Um, you get yeah. a read that way or whatever. Um, how would you describe that you're gathering information? Are you just really in the moment there, or um... yeah? I guess everyone do it in like in inconsciently when, when the guy how they dress, how uh, how is is him, or or how they they talk, and all this information I think is really valuable. And like my my first instinct is normally super good when one guy sit at the table and f just talk for two minutes more or less mm. i know how he will play and i will i will say like 90 percent of the time I, I i'm right or even more like really i okay. don't know yeah i have like really natural talent for that and even when that player didn't i didn't know too much about him i i more or less know if he's tight or aggro or study poker or never study poker ever or yeah i think it's could be a natural talent i guess I feel like I want to try it a bit more myself. You're kind of inspiring me to give it a... I mean, I do try it a bit, but I haven't made, like... I mean, I make guesses, but I don't... Like, I find people are really consistent, actually, in a lot of spots. But I have... I will say that I've seen some really crazy stuff in main events, and people are, like, on one extreme or the other a lot. They'll, like, make yeah. it crazy, crazy folds, or they'll never bluff. I mean, there's certain spots where, like, no one ever bluffs, basically, unless they're, like, a pro. It's very hard to bluff in these spots and, like, really think through your strategy but oh, yeah. um there's certain people just like never bluff or don't have any of them or I'll just make these crazy folds i've noticed some re yeah. weird uh psychological tendencies that happen a lot and definitely like one thing i'm personally good at is i'm good at i'm good at seeing i mean like you were talking about knowing where someone is emotionally i'm knowing what they'll do in certain emotional states but i don't necessarily know some of the subtle emotional states well, there are general patterns in tournaments of how people act. Like, usually in the beginning, no one really cares, and that's when they'll start messing yeah. around or whatever. But later on in the tournaments, then uh, a lot of people, I mean, unless, again, unless they're pros, are going to start making, they're going to start leaning in, like, a few very uh, distinct directions for the most part. That's my yeah. experience. Uh, I think I'm more yeah, of, like, looking at how the whole population acts as a whole rather than, like, um, I mean, I adjust a bit, but I don't think I can figure out people in like two minutes based on how they talk. But I'm really interested in that, actually. Yeah. For me, also, like now it's different that when I start because now also I'm really non pro. So when I sit mm -hmm. at the table with the winner mass pads and the cameras around me and everything, like some hmm. most of the people are afraid to play with me, but some of the guys try to, to battle ego <laughs> with ego. <laughs> So you need to know really quick who is the, who is who, uh, because some players will fall a lot to you because they don't want problems, and yeah. the, this is the majority, I guess. And then oh, some yeah, yeah. players really really want to 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 fuck you, like for the <laughs> camera and, and start to do this crazy shit just to own you. 
And to know <laughs> which type of player is it, I think is is really important, especially like in big fields, main events type of tournament. Yeah, I guess I could say that's like one of the benefits of being a pro is that people like take those two stances a lot against you. It's yeah. hard to like get the middle ground. The middle ground is where like where like the skill is at. Actually, in uh, dealing with people, yeah, the middle ground is against the good pros. But when you play against bad players, is one side or the other normally is never yeah, yeah. the middle one. I mean that's kind of fun. It creates like all these like crazy things that happen. That I just never expect like bluffing with the best hand and getting called and <laughs> crazy yeah. stuff like that. <laughs> um, so, do you have any examples for me of like how someone might talk if they're a uh, if just how someone might talk that you know that they might be a fighter or someone that might that might talk that they've never studied poker before. Yeah, the fighter used to not talk to me directly too much. Like they try to look at me with some kind of envy or like something like that. I feel like, oh, this guy tried to bluff everyone, and the, his look is is different for me. Oh. And they normally talk about in the table, but not to me directly sometimes. And this huh. is the, the type of player who normally try to bluff me more. And when we are in the pot, they have they try to win the pot and then the other players is like oh you are here on my table oh i'm really unlucky that you sit to my left or, <laughs> uh, or try to be too nice to me this type of player normally are really tight against me yeah i guess if play. someone's too nice to you they're not usually likely gonna like yeah normally to... when they are too nice to me normally they play really tight against me one funny thing i've noticed is that when i meet fans it's almost always them that ends like the the conversation if you know what i mean like they're the ones that walk away first this is a funny thing it, it kind of reminds me of that it's like they always like they don't put much effort into trying to get to know me too much or anything like that uh i, I find it to be funny because it's like <laughs> kind of ironic because they're saying they want to but they're just like maybe they're i think that they're shy but i'm not sure um but that's interesting. Depending I've never thought people. of things There's like different that. different type of people. There. Some people are more shy. Some people are more strawberry. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there are exceptions yeah. for sure. I've met cool people that are yeah. fans, uh, yeah, sure. 100%. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm going to start looking more for, like, I think that there are some cues in the way people talk that tells a bit about their personality. But it's not something that I understand 100%. But definitely... I mean, there's many nuances that people and things that, of ways that people do things that can really tell you something about them. Like, as you said, like how someone dresses, like probably my guess, if someone comes in here with this outfit, uh, <laughs> that they're going to bluff a bit more than usual yeah. or do some crazy yeah. stuff is yeah, my yeah, guess. Yeah, for sure. yeah, yeah. Have you found that? Yeah, so if, you I have see, found if I see a jacket like that, I, I know that the guy <laughs> is, is, is able to bluff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, who else bluffs? Like, uh, what about people with chains or like people with like jewelry? Do they bluff a lot or people who are like big muscles? Yeah, or... yeah probably. Yeah, people with like big muscle generally or try to to be really loud at the table. They normally are really play more hands and bluff more. Yeah, yeah. it's going like bluff going with your personality. When you are a poker pro, it's different because you study the game. Some people approach the game more in the aggressive and others in the tight side. But when you are a recreational, I think you play the same that 
your personality is or really close to your personality. I think it's really it's really difficult that a recreational player who talk a lot, try to to get attention, and they play really tight. I, I think this this is really rare. Um, hmm. The other the other way around is really rare too. With the poker pros, it's different because they study the game and they understand differently. But yeah. with recreational, I think normally if uh, if if you are like tight in poker, is because you are a neat in life too, and <laughs> the same <laughs> the same the other way around. I think. That's uh, that's interesting. I really want to like see how true that is, but I suspect you're right. Just because like people are probably going to lean on their personality traits. Uh, yeah, huh? there are always exceptions. There is always exceptions for sure, but I will say for ninety percent of the time, it works like this, in my opinion. Well, yeah, it should be correlations, is my guess. I I would think that when people don't have like a lot of like uh, um, experience or whatever to lean on, they're going to lean on their personality traits yeah, the most, sure. and actually when someone. Um, Especially in high-pressure moments. Oh, for sure. And, uh, yeah, when, when emotions are really heavy or when people are induced by drugs and things like that, their truer colors tend to come out more and more um, because, like, now they're, you know, this it's like a force that's, like, um, too much for them to handle with whatever their willpower is. Like, willpower has to cave after enough time. I mean, that's one. Another example is where, like, someone's exhausted. They're not going to, like do the things that uh they're gonna be like their original selves if that makes sense so they're not gonna like um necessarily like if they're not someone who's like classically polite at least this is true for me i find is when i get um when i get like a bit uh yeah, when i'm exhausted i'm like much less likely much less likely to like uh give away niceties or perform all these niceties in conversations and things like that and i presume it's like the same way in in poker does this yeah, make sense? Same, yeah. yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, did you ever have any stages of evolution how you played? Because you were talking about... We're talking about how, you know, people's personality traits change... Or how they play changes according to, like, their experience and things like that. Did you have, like, stages where you were a nit, where you didn't bluff, or you bluffed more... You realize, oh, you're bluffing yeah. too much, and now you became solid, or anything like that. Yeah, more or less. Like when I, like my, when I start playing poker from the beginning, my all my tendencies are really aggressive from the beginning. So, oh, really, all my game uh, is really aggressive. Like, <laughs> it's probably because the school when I studied poker is I started uh, Duca Poker is a poker school in in Spain, and uh, all the coaches are really aggressive. So my tendencies are just really. to try to copy then and i was really really aggressive at the beginning then when i start to study a little bit more about gto concepts and stuff like that i need here a lot like i start civeting way less uh, doing bad things and try to don't fight the pot as as i do and uh but that's happened for me for maybe nine months one year and then i go again for the aggro side because i feel more com more confidence in playing aggressive and yeah, this is my style and and the way i study poker is to i think that people make more mistakes when they are in in or under pressure so my mm -hmm. my game was based in putting people in 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 pressure moments and they are not comfortable to play against me i think is where the money it is 
Uh, I think so too. I mean, it's the more you try to find where people do have leaks of sorts. I mean, I have talked about it quite a lot, but a lot of people have the same leaks in my experience like that. Yeah. I found over tons of trial and error and like basically until they show me that they don't have those leaks, then I'm going to make money off of them. Um, but uh, yeah, if you play against the season pros, they won't they won't necessarily have the leaks. A lot of the leaks are corrected quite easily. Um, but yeah, I mean, like if you don't try to find where people are exploitable, and they really are, uh, yeah, then course. you'll not make the money. So I totally agree with you. It's like kind of similar in that you just the put yourself out is, there, huh? Yeah, the thing is to play really aggressive poker is really uncomfortable for for your mind so most of the people play really tight because it's it's easier like to play tight is way easier so you don't have to put many bluffs you don't have to put the at risk the tournament many mm -hmm. times at other players and also when, when you are calling in the river uh, people normally fall too much because it, it's it's more comfortable just to fall and that's all and when you call you only need to win like 30 percent of the time 25 percent of the time so yeah. you will lose a lot and i think that's really hard for the human brain to 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 know mm -hmm. and i think most of the most of the even pros uh, just play some kind of game who is that is really easy for her for his mind but i think it's not the best strategy long term uh yeah i think there's a there's a few interesting things here so psychologically when you make a big call and you lose you're gonna feel pain if you if you yeah. lose and, and you're wrong and if you call you feel it's like a 50 50 payoff at least uh, in your mind if yeah. you don't like use your intelligence you, you yeah. feel you know positive if you get there and pain if you lose but it shouldn't be that way if you think about it right because if you're wrong like a lot of times you're not really wrong uh because all, as you were saying you'll need to be 25 30 percent of the time right and that's very different from being right 50 you know whether you're right you're actually right in reality or not that's that's just yeah. a 50 50 payoff but the emotional payoff should be a little bit different it should be something like if you're wrong um it shouldn't feel like pure pain it should be like and it's very hard to do this when you're deep in a tournament because now you're yeah. like out right so <laughs> the payoff of the pain is not really appropriate to how it actually is in reality depending on how it works but in tournaments, there's ICM and all this shit. Um, so, yeah, like if you only need 25%, if you're wrong three times out of four, then you're breaking even. But you should only feel a little bit bad then if you're wrong. It should be very good if you're right, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's why the, like the most common weak, uh, like the leak in other players is like they, they fall too much and they don't bluff enough. That is the, the most common leak that every player or most of the players have. And that makes sense with the, how the human brain works, I think, in my opinion. Uh, I agree with people that have like some... Exp I agree that you're generally right, actually. In my experience, a lot of like the mediocre pros, you can say, or like yeah. people who um, they're, they're trying to win, but they're not really succeeding have exactly what you're talking about as the two general tendencies. They fool too much and they don't bluff enough. Um, I would even say it's more, more the, I mean, they fool too much compared to like what people could get away with, but compared to the population, they don't necessarily fool too much because, yeah. because everyone has those leaks. They don't, you know, everyone is also not bluffing enough themselves. 
So then folding to so those players, the same players that are folding too much are actually kind of right, but because there's so much more that they can do and more, you know, uh, there's more layers of strategy that they haven't really toyed with by experimenting or whatever, that they actually stay kind of stagnant and they don't really like find these things that you're that you were alluding to to go out and like find the leaks that people have by like testing them and putting them under pressure. Um, so yeah, they don't bluff enough or bluff as much as they can be can or like yeah. do things that really like test a player with a lot of their weaker holdings yeah yeah i agree with that um i had another thought uh i think that as a general rule when you're playing it's a lot of players you want to keep ranges really tight and solid but as you uh you're playing against one or two more players generally speaking that's where creativity can really set in um yeah. and bluffing and things like that become like a bigger part of the picture and the actual you can say the actual leveling and strategy really comes into play um specifically no limit you can do more things like that yeah, that might so. be useful for the audience to consider because you can't really screw around too much with pre-flop with like eight other players unless they're all uh unless they're intimidated by you uh with your you know your pro status yeah i think like the most of the money come from personal play like pre-flop you can do much just play solid good and of course try to play good but some people try to make some fancy plays pre-flop and i think the money is not there the money and the big mistakes come from post-flop which is way more complicated and i think mm -hmm. is where the money is is coming um i think that's yeah if someone's trying to like win you know real money i i totally agree with you i think that when people are trying to beat you know really weak competition in the first place they need to get the pre-flop right but after that like the preflops, like the eighty percent of like the Preto principle, where like once you fix that, you're not like punting too much. But if you're gonna like make more money, like all the potentials in post flop. Yeah. yeah um. Maybe. So I have I have a question. Do you ever do something like uh, wave like a figurative red flag at people that you know that are gonna be fighting or, or fighters? Like you're you know the matador, you're like the master, and you're waving the flag and you're you say something to them that'll agitate them or like get their ego going if you know that they're trying to like own you but get them to steam no if you don't think like do anything like that no i love it no i yes i love it when the people try to his ego try to play against me i think it's, it's much better for me i just need to adapt my game and that's all yeah. i don't have like of course like poker players have ego including myself uh, i think i'm think I'm a good poker player but i think in the table I, I i try to to get the ego away because didn't give me money and when i sit in the table is to win as much money as possible mm -hmm. so i think like to try to play with ego is is not is not worthy for me uh yeah definitely playing with ego not a great a great way to lose money a great way to like have a lot of yeah. frustrating things happen <laughs> so you're not a much much of an ego battler yourself or you've got have you gotten any ego wars uh, no not really i don't think so even my ego is big like i think i'm really good uh -huh. but when i sit on the table i i i just go my ego really down if these two players splashing around trying to win every hand and i just 
typing up and just take my spots and that's all. I think I just I always try to to make like the most profitable strategy and sometimes it's to play tight and that's all. Oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah, I mean tights tight can be really sound, especially when you, you don't want to like raise fold a lot specifically against people who are gonna like battle you. Um, I have gotten my let my ego got the best of me a couple times. Uh, once <laughs> upon a time, Bryn Kenny three bet me on the button with ten nine offsuit. Uh, and let me tell you, there were some fighting words afterward, afterwards, and there was almost a fight, in fact. It, it, was, oh, <laughs> it was almost a street fight. He, <laughs> he challenged me to a, a street fight uh, to just, just go yeah, outside. When I, see and, this, huh? when I see these type of things that happen to me sometimes, too, uh, I, I just love it. Like when they, they make a big, big mistake, so you will take the money, and then, of course, sucks because it's like they don't respect you enough. But I don't care. Like, I take the money and that's all. Well, the money uh, tends to be more... Prefer the money over the respect. I mean, the, the respect's nice. Yeah, but like... It's for the respect, yeah, I think. Yeah, I, like when people ego class, is for the respect, which is normally important thing in, in men's. So, yeah, I, I understand like that. When two guys with big ego conflict at the table is because they want to, to be respected mm -hmm. and I think it's normal but I think I can handle really good that, that and just try to adapt my game to, to the situation Good, good, sounds like uh, I've got your ego under control it's one thing that poker actually does eventually teach you is not to let your ego yeah. get too uh, get too wild, um, it's one of the cool things uh most poker, most successful poker players I know actually are quite humble. When I think about it, I can't think of too many like crushers that let their ego just like take control of them. Um, uh, it's a bit of a yeah. Most of them are not really brash people that are out like causing or being disruptive yeah. as well. I guess it's like a bit of a. This, uh, I think it's just cool that it does actually teach humility. Now that I'm thinking about it, or do you agree? Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Yeah. I, I agree. So, oh, um, what else do you? Uh, are you involved in anything else besides poker? Do you do you have any other latest obsessions? Do you have any plans for poker, uh, coming up? Uh, right now, I'm full time poker focus, like. Uh, I'm with Winamax sponsor, so I am also an ambassador for, from them, and this and my poker career are the, my two main focus. And also, I still, I still love the game, and I'm still really competitive, and I, I just love to play the biggest, biggest stakes against the best players, and feel real, that I, I'm a winning player. It's something that makes me happy, and motivate me so mm. I, I will continue doing at least for a few more years until i lose this motivation i guess do you so if there's like a 2.5 million tournament would you be in it yeah sure yeah all right <laughs> maybe there should be something like that i mean like i don't know why not. yeah i played the last two one million tournament i played uh, I get, when because one of them is was private that i didn't get invited so I, that one i can play it but the other two in World Series I, I played. And yeah, I play every big big high stakes buying in tournaments. And I feel really confident to, to play these stakes. Uh, I also have many people who 
want to buy me actions so for me it's kinda easier now to to sell the action and and play that tournament do you have any goals with um poker like if you make a certain amount are you gonna do something or are do you have any goals to make a certain amount or any challenges or are you thinking there is there is always an amount in my head that i didn't react i really want to react is to have a 10 million bankroll uh -huh. i really want to 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 have it and i didn't have it right now and it's something that i has i was thinking for years and i think i, I will give everything until until I reach my goal, and I'm sure I, I, I will because uh, I, I, put, I will put a lot of hours into it. What's well, the reason why you couldn't get there? Um, are you gonna like play any? Uh, are you playing the short deck events? Uh, I'm not sure. No, the thing is, I only play No Limit Holden, and mm -hmm. so it's the only game I play, and I focus in tournaments. So I really specialize only in No Limit uh, tournaments. Uh, this is my main focus. So, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Um, and there's tons of money in Nolan tournaments still. I don't think that's going away yeah. anytime soon. Yeah, they are, like every every month the the fields are getting bigger and bigger and more high rollers and more action. So it's amazing. Even online now the stakes are really high and and you can play super high sessions from your home. So. It's, it's, high stakes poker is really nice right now, I think. Um, okay, I've got a really random question for you about Spain, because I've been to Spain a bit. Um, my understanding of, of, how, of how Spain is and how the culture is a little bit... Uh, this is, are you from... Where in Spain are you from exactly, first of all? Madrid. Okay, okay. I was hoping you said that. Because I my understanding is that the people in Madrid are very polite. It's very like important to have proper table manners and things like that and they're just very uh they know how to greet people and that sort of thing. Am I right or am I wrong? Yeah, it could be right. Yeah, I think normally people in Spain are like more yeah, like like more talkative, like they try to to make friends and it's like people like to uh, to speak with other people in general mm -hmm. like when when i'm in the uk in london like people are more way more introvert it's hard to to know new people have new friends and in spain is way easier like, oh, at least i feel that also for me it could be bias because also my my spanish is much better than my english so for me it's, it's way easier to make friends in spanish than in english too but. oh yeah i guess i could see that i I could see how Spanish people could be a bit more friendly. Um, I'm a bit curious about how the uh, dating culture is there. I just imagine that uh, in... Yeah, I just keep thinking in Spain, like... I mean, I know a couple Spanish guys. I just think that Spanish guys, like, are a bit more romantic or that kind of thing. Or I don't know. <laughs> I, I really don't know. But I've come from America where, like, romance is, is not really... It's just I have a hard time seeing that being like a thing in the U.S. where I could just see like Spanish. Maybe maybe you're like a Don Juan, right? Like that's what Don Juan's was Spanish, wasn't he? Or what, where was he from? Who? Don Juan. Don Juan. Like the Dos Equis ah, guy. Don Juan. Don Juan. Or was he the uh, Dos Equis guy? Not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. <laughs> I really don't sure. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, the th the thing that he, people are yeah, in like in this in this part of Europe, people are more like emotional, I guess, that in in the USA, in the states. I think people, yeah, more emotional in in every aspect. So this have so good things and some bad things, but yeah, I guess for love is more intense, I guess. <laughs> okay, it sounds uh, sounds like maybe I was onto something there. Uh, yeah, the U.S. people, um, hmm, I guess they're very progressive, I guess you could say. They're very, like, we're, the culture's more, we, we definitely have this culture of, like, going after your dreams a lot, uh, especially in Los Angeles. That's, like, a really key feature of, uh, the U.S. culture, um, which is good. I I, I like that. But yeah, in Spain is different. Like I feel people in the U.S. are more uh, more ambitious about the work and all all the stuff. Like, like try to pursue like a, a business, a work, and everything. Mm -hmm. And here in Spain, people are more chill, a little more chill about work. They they don't value as much in, as in the States, I think. Uh, people value here other things like living good, a family, like uh, love and emotions and all this type of stuff, I think is a little bit more valuable. But this is general thing, so it depend, really depends on the people. But in general, oh, I sure. think like the work culture in, in the US is, 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 is different than here, for sure. Yeah, it's very entrepreneurial. I mean, for that reason, poker does it it maybe that's why poker took off a bit in the u.s or was i don't even know if it was originated here maybe it was i should know these things mm -hmm. uh but you know it's very entrepreneurial by nature you're like kind of your own boss basically you're doing your own thing that makes me imagine that you must be the kind of person that you know when you're the exception in like a group of people who have different values from you um yeah. or at least appear to i don't know if that's if it's if they do 100 percent like it makes me think that you must have been like someone who did things um by your own kind of way of doing things you didn't necessarily like i mean you also had to do it at the disapproval of or the, like some kind of disapproval of your parents as well yeah, that makes yeah sense. the thing is that like i have a little brother so me and my brother play tennis at in the high level at the beginning oh, really? so we are really we are we are really 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 competitive between each other oh. so i think this move to poker and also to life like we are we always we're fighting and in, in tennis when i lose i fucking hate it <laughs> and i'm super competitive and also when i play poker I, uh, that's why i only play only no limit holding because I don't like to feel like the fees of the table and I don't like to feel that I make many mistakes. So that's why I always just focus in one thing and try to do really good. Uh, and this is because I'm really competitive and I, f I don't like to feel that I'm not good enough. So yeah, I guess that helps for, for poker in that case. Well, it can be fun to be the be be stupid sometimes or at least that's how i look at it most of the time I mean, it yeah, depends like sometimes my ego is triggered yeah. but uh uh they do a few stupid things every now and then uh like i can't i guess you have like a reputation to uphold if you're playing nolan and you're supposed to be good but you can well i don't know i think like, i'll do some stupid stuff in nolan too like why not um just for fun um 
that's unique to. Yeah. Uh, that, that, uh, I think this is one of my strongest part of my game, and it's like I always try to play my best, even if I play a 500 euro tournament or if I play a 100k tournaments, and I think mm -hmm. that give me a lot of money over the years because I never play a hand bad on purpose. When I play a hand bad, it's because I make a mistake or I didn't know how to play it correctly, but I never play a hand bad in purpose because I want to gamble or I want to to do these type of things. And I think that gave mm -hmm. me a lot of money during the years, I think. Oh yeah, playing your A game all the time is really important. Do you have any pre-game routines, you know, especially coming from, well, I don't know if you're professional, if you tried professional sports at all, but if in professional sports it's common to have pre-game routines and be really disciplined uh do you have anything like that or any post-game things that you do not really not really i uh, i just play poker <laughs> every fucking day so i just uh, really used to play poker so i can handle really long sessions uh, i I, I could have my game for a long time, I think. Uh, some, some days it's impossible, of course, but mm -hmm. also when I'm playing not good, try to don't play really bad. And uh, when I'm playing bad, I maybe, when I play online, I reduce the number of tables and try to refocus as, as quick as I can. But I never, I don't have any like routine. I'm not a routine guy. Okay, me neither. But I see the value in having some. Yeah, some routines or some like hand analysis things like that i do some things uh particularly take notes uh if i make mistakes i take notes sometimes sometimes i get really lazy sometimes just because i'm so used to success but uh, i think it's quite valuable um anyway we gotta go in a second is there anything else that's on your mind that you'd like to talk about or anything you're promoting perhaps winning max for example yeah like you know i just want to know like the t-shirt isn't so bad is a winamax t-shirt and uh, winamax is like this, my sponsor for the last six seven years so yeah uh, just to mention that and uh, yeah that's all okay uh all right simple question what does winamax mean something is it or is it just like a play on the words win and max and like win a max? I think it's just a, a, a word game. I'm not sure. It's a, a question that I should know the answer, but not sure. I think it's a, it's a game for win and max. Yeah, that's the thing. All right. Well, uh, sounds good to win the win a max. Um, <laughs> it's almost a joke, I guess. Yeah, that's also my plan when I play poker. So yeah. All right. Well, we can agree on that. So great having you on, Adrian, and hearing a bit about your insights into uh, uh, how to win at tournaments uh, and a little bit about the culture of Spain. Um, thank you for your time. Thank you for your time too, Dan. It was really fun to chat with you. And I hope people love the interview. See you. Bye.